There is only one thing on this earth more powerful than evil, and that's us. Hi, I'm Nicholas Brendan, and you're listening to the Buffy Back Issue Ben. Welcome to the Buffy Back Issue Ben, the show where we go through all the Buffy and Angel comics that are canon chronologically. I'm Zach. And I'm Emily. And we're starting off Buffy Season 9, on the Buffy side of Buffy Season 9. Yes. So this will be kind of a weird episode because we're doing a couple of like mini mini issues and then an actual arc and it's just all all a bit of a jumble. But what's nice about this, at least coming from the standpoint of a reader, we're reading from what's called the library editions. They put it in chronologically for us. We don't need to do the work anymore. It's nice. There was a lot of work at the beginning. So we're starting off with a short one, the magical mystery tour featuring the Beatles Spelled as in the bug. Ha ha ha. Yes. So this is a tiny, tiny issue. And it focuses on Spike. So our very first issue takes place in between issue 39 and 40 of season 8. But they have it under the banner of season 9. So we're just going to count it for here. And it picks up with Spike's bug ship following the demon that got away. And so they fly off into space. And Spike still has the burns from when Angel tried to burn him with the sun. So he looks kind of gross. He does, yeah. And before I forget, this is written by Jane Espenson, pencils by George's Genty. It's, you know, it's fine. I know I've been negative towards her writing in the past, but this one's fine. This one's fine. So we're going along and it becomes very clear that Spike doesn't really know this ship very well, which is a little confusing because... He spent over a year in this hunting the senior partners. And now he seems like this is a whole novel thing. He's like, what does this button do? Take it down. And he happens to choose a button that's intended to impregnate space whales, which I think is a Star Trek IV reference. Oh, I actually saw that movie. The space whales. Yeah. But instead of impregnating space whales, it just blows up this giant interdimensional demon that they were chasing. So that's cool. Except the problem is that this demon that exploded this pink goo all over everything and that has destroyed their ship speed drive. So they're going to be in space for a while, basically. Spike is sad about this, and he demands a few very specific things. He needs a smoking section. He needs to talk to someone about a toilet. He'd like a drink. And that about does it. So this is the first time toilets have ever been used in terms of vampires. We've never discussed this on the show. Do vampires poop? I don't know. That's an interesting question. I mean, they can eat food. So I guess... But they don't need it. Then... Like Spike likes to eat a blooming onion. Yeah. I don't know. And he drinks a lot. They have blood. I assume the blood just kind of got, I don't know, rotated into the bloodstream? What do I know? I don't know. That's an interesting question. But Spike needs toilet. I'm told that everybody poops. He also needs a large novelty calendar where he can mark off the days. Which it's I also, thought was clever. It's also weird that they have all of these things on the ship. Sully, he has booze, a calendar, and some cigarettes. He's also carved his and Buffy's initial into a table with a knife. Yeah. And he goes, only a week down and I can already feel the tickling of other voices in the corners of my eyes. Oh, Drew, is this what it was like inside your beautiful head? I like referencing Drew. I just like Drew. And we see that Spike connects with the bugs, which he's been with them for a year. So cool, I guess. Yeah. Also, this is all told from the bugs perspective. Like all the internal narration is from a bug who is now known as Irene. Yeah, Spike couldn't pronounce their names, so he just named them a bunch of things. Elizabeth, Frisky, Bub, Lester, Jumpy, Fido, Spotty. Irene. And Rick. And Paolo. 
but as the days tick on, Spike reads trashy bug romance novels, teaches them about poetry, including going back to his tried and true poem that got him mocked back in the what, early 1900s. Mm-hmm. He um, takes care of the... 1800s? Either way. He takes care of the grubs in the nursery. And he chaperones their dances. Which is very nice. And marries the bugs. Yes. But eventually, after a 62 fa- days, they make it back to Earth. And he lands down in San Francisco. Buffy greets him. I guess she saw the flying spaceship and that might have made the news or something. Maybe. And she asks if he's back. He's like, just for now, but those bugs, those bugs are waiting for me. Um, all in all, it's not, it's confusing because it doesn't seem to take into account that Spike has already spent a lot of time with these bugs. They really cleaned up their language, too. Yeah, I don't really mind the story. No, it's fine. I mean, and as a little bonus, it's, yeah, you know, better than your average Jonas. But is it better than the bonus Jonas? That's what I meant. I don't know who the hell that is. His name is Frankie. Okay. He's the bonus <coughs> Jonas. Is he the fit one? No, he's the little kid brother that you never saw. He's the bonus Jonas. One of them is in crazy shape now. It's probably either Joe or Nick. Couldn't tell you. So from there, we start season nine proper. And what's interesting about this issue is so far, as far as where we stand right now, this is the last comic that Joss is going to write. And he doesn't even write it solo. He co-writes it with another writer, Andrew Chambliss, who I best know from Dollhouse, who's one of the staff writers there. Oh, wow. I mean, I've seen that too. So I guess I know him from that too. And pencils once again being done by series regular George's Genty. So we start off with Buffy lying the wrong way in her bed that's covered with all sorts of junk and bottles and cans and trash. And her eyes are red rimmed and she just looks like a mess. And in her head she's like, what have I done? Also, where am I? Now, I'm not going to give it away going into this, but there is a lot of very specific word choices that are made in this arc that make it a lot of fun to revisit. That's setting up a lot of stuff for a few stories from now. So we turn the page and we see that this arc is called Freefall. Um, How ominous. How ominous. And the colors have significantly brightened. They're very muted in that first page that we have. And Buffy's holding a beer and she opens up the door for Don and Xander, and she's just so excited. They're coming over to a party, a housewarming party at, at Buffy's new apartment. And they meet her new roommates, a guy named Tumble, who looks like Oz with a beard. Yes. And a lady named Anaheed. Am I pronouncing that right? I think so. Okay. Anaheed. That's how I pronounced it in my head. But this is the night before where we're going to see what did Buffy do. Yeah, and so we're seeing that things are a little awkward because Buffy's friends are meeting her new roommates and vice versa, and everybody's trying to be all upbeat about the fact that they're moving on after magic. But to get this party rolling, Buffy opens the door to find Willow standing there with some girl named Aura. And all of a sudden we go back to our muted colors, and Willow's there again, and she just says, Hey cutie, how's it hanging over? I think that's funny. I like that wordplay. It is funny. And Buffy, in her confused state, is just like, what? Did we make a naughty? And Willow just immediately screws with Buffy. She's like, you don't remember the most important night of my life? And Buffy is just not even out of bed. She's just lying there confused and horrified. Then Willow explains, nope, actually, she just snuck out on Aura and she took a shower at Buffy's place because it's closer to her work. And she just was 
making life difficult for Buffy. Essentially. And Buffy's like, oh, my brain feels swollen. It feels like my limbs have been screwed on wrong. And Willow's like, well, yeah, it's because it was a kind of a crazy party. And Buffy, who says she tastes like face, asks Willow if she can do a spell to make the hangover go away. And then immediately just goes, oops. And she looks worse than ever, by the way, in that panel. Oh, yeah. Like red eyes just trying and failing at everything right now. And Willow's just like, well, these things catch up with you. And she kisses Buffy on the top of her head and Buffy goes, my hair hurts. <laughs> this isn't karma getting back at you for ruining the world. Only a little bit. So then we cut over to a crime scene, very randomly. We meet a new character for the season, Detective Dowling. A new rookie cop on the scene. Yeah, and he's looking at this body, and he's very confused because there's no wound. There's nothing wrong with this person other than she's dead. And he can't find any ID or any missing persons match. There's no drugs. There's no heart defect. There's just a dead girl. And he's informed by his tough-as-nails partner that this is the third one this month. Definitely isn't going to come back later. Don't worry about it. So, it definitely will. So, we cut back to the party. Riley and Spike and Andrew have showed up to the party. Buffy's like, oh good, I told Anaheed I'd bring boys, but you're married, you're dead, and you're out of her league? It was was kind of funny. And Andrew has his long hair back that he had in Angel Season 5. Yeah, he does. They all go in and we find out that Buffy didn't actually text party to everybody. She texted Pratty. And Spike went out on a limb. He's like, assumed. They all start to awkwardly mingle into this party. And Buffy is talking about the weight of the world being off of her shoulders. And Andrew's like, yeah, I was so glad to not be a general anymore. I got a bunch of old squads together and started a disaster relief organization. And Buffy just looks blank for two panels and then goes, me too. But Buffy is continuously flashing back to this party. A lot of it is just her having fun. Some cops come over for a noise complaint that end up partying with them. It just is kind of a legendary housewarming party. Spike continues to warn Buffy that someone is after her. He's had his ear to the ground and they're coming. And while he's saying that, we see that these shady looking individuals have sent a demon to hunt Buffy. Mm-hmm. And... On top of that, what looks like just making matters worse, we go to a holding cell where a mystical barrier has been imprisoning someone for a millennia, and without magic, the barrier is coming down, and this demon escapes, and the first thing he does is rip the jaw off of another demon and kills all of his captors, which, you know, is a good sign. Always. So, during this party, Buffy follows Riley out to his van, because Riley's like, look, I gotta go, like, this is fun. See you later. It was good catching up. See you next season. And Buffy at this point is not sober. We don't see Riley again for a while. Yes. And Buffy at this point is not sober. She just invites herself into Riley's fancy little surveillance van. And she's like, maybe I should take up haberdashery. It's as unrelated as it sounds to the rest of this conversation. It's a locked door and she just rips it open. Yes. She's like, ooh, let me look at your surveillance stuff. And then she tries to have sex with him. Yeah, she cuts back to hungover Buffy, and she goes, I did not make a pass at a married man. That would be wrong. I'd remember the next part. So we don't really know what happened once we step out of the van as the viewer, but something happened, and Buffy is trying to convince herself that nothing happened. 
But we also see as the party is going on, our rogue slayer from last season, Simone, is making her way to San Francisco to prove that she's still got it. How Simone got her groove back is not the name of this season. It's not. So Buffy's still trying to figure out what's happening at this party, or what happened, rather, at this party. And she remembers a different scene with her and Xander in her bedroom now. She and Xander are sitting on her bed, and she reaches his arm, and she says, Nobody will ever know. Nobody will miss us. We got a few minutes. Let's use those minutes not to talk about it. Donnie? Never has to know. And then we cut away from that panel. We cut this stupid thing. We did this at the beginning of last season. Yeah. And then it went nowhere then. It's all too weird. Let's drop this forever. So Buffy is still confused. But meanwhile, she and Willow go out for a walk that night. Because it's more of a patrol than a walk. Uh, Oh, yeah, it's a patrol, rather. They go out on patrol that night because Buffy wants to feel some sort of purpose again. After, you know, getting blackout drunk and trying to have sex with everyone she knows. Yes. So Spike jumps down almost on her head. And he's like, look, I know that somebody's after you. Somebody is trying to find you. They're just talking about how there are still monsters. There's still things. But that Buffy took the spark out of creation. And so it has drastically changed the chemistry of the world. And then all of a sudden this hand reaches out. And the hand is of a demon. And the demon's saying, it is too late. And he says, Buffy Summers, it is time for you to pay. And we turn the page. And in very big letters, it says, you're a student loan. And everybody just looks shocked. And then Willow and Spike start laughing. laughing. And Buffy literally turns to camera and goes, don't you say a f***ing word. Cut to black. It's kind of a funny moment. And it's also the last words that Joss has officially written in Buffy and Angel canon. Which makes sense that he would go out on, on a funny little pun. <laughs> There was rumors of him doing a miniseries this season, but it looks like, you know, working on two movies over at DC have probably put that on the back burner. Yeah, probably. So starts Freefall Part 2. Andrew Chambliss is going to take over as our primary scripter for this season. And the first thing we see is another one of these mysterious dead people. There's nothing wrong with them other than the fact that they're dead. They all have this very shocked expression on. Being dead is a fairly wrong thing. Like, nothing's wrong. Except for everything. Right. So we zoom out from this shot and we see that there are eight dead bodies. So whatever this is, it's building. It is building. Student loan demon is like... Good name for a demon, student loan demon. Student loan demon. He's basically like, look, this is my day job now because I got stuck in your realm when you took all the magic out of the world. So thanks for ruining everything for everyone. And it's really expensive in your realm, so I had to get a job. And Buffy just... Now feeling guilty on top of everything else, you know, on top of the other guilt she has, she goes to an ATM and gives him all the cash that he has. I will return! Yeah, because he's like, this doesn't even cover the first payment. (laughs) Poor Buffy. We've all been there. He should be like, reconsolidate! (laughs) But, I don't know, I guess Buffy's had a while. This is probably like late 2000s at this point. Yeah, and she's been out of college because she dropped out her freshman year and never went back. Yeah, I mean, well, sophomore year. Rather, but, yeah. Yeah, she's been out since like 2000. I mean, she's almost halfway to loan forgiveness. Oh, well, maybe you should tell her that. Buffy, call me for finances. And so Willow's like, look, Buffy, you didn't realize how much this affected everybody but you. You just keep thinking about you. But it has changed everything for everybody. Even if they don't even know it. And Willow leaves and Spike's like, look, I know I'm harping on this, 
but someone's coming to kill you. It's not the student loan demon. I'm really beating a dead horse here. I have said it a lot of times. You're not taking this seriously. And she's really not. At that point, she's like, yeah, I've, people have been trying to kill me for a while now. Nothing new. But we see in Buffy's room this strange mystical demon that escaped this barrier and killed like 20 of his captors has found Buffy. He's just jumped through her window and he's hanging out, checking out her stakes and vampire book and stuff. And knows that she is a vampire slayer. But when her roommate comes to check on the noise... Tumble. His name is Tumble. Yeah, I'm going to keep calling him her roommate. Tumble's a weird name. Yeah, because Buffy is a super normal name. He runs away, never to be seen. The demon does. Not Tumble. I mean, Tumble's not a big player in this season. He's really but... not. We find that there have been more dead people. And our detective... The is... intrepid detective Dowling. Has put in some good old solid police work. And he's found one of the identities of one of the people here. And... It went all the way back to 1941. Yes, that she's actually... She's been missing since that long, but she has not aged a day. But there's some good continuity here. We've had it a few times where it seems like everyone knows that vampires and demons are a thing, and then it's just kind of ignored. At this point, it's out there. It's on reality TV. There have been multiple movies made, all this stuff. So he's like, do you think this might be vampires? Because we know they're definitely a thing now. Right. And and it's kind of refreshing in this world. It's nice having that out there. But for us, as, you know, viewers of this thing for a while, we know that the vampires, they don't die when you kill them they puff into dust and so for us this is not a very realistic suggestion except that that's not really something that's been put out there in the media yet so that all makes sense that he would jump to that conclusion and buffy's still feeling the guilt of many things she's feeling guilty about willow and now about spike and about her loans and about trying to have sex with everyone and doing things she doesn't remember doing when she comes across a vampire in an alley chasing a man and she's like thank god This I can do. I got this. Right. So she chases him down and she decides to stake the vampire, stakes him. He turns into dust. And the police go, turn around and drop the stake. So now Buffy is in trouble for slaying vampires, which is the one thing that she's actually good at. For the murder. Yeah, because she murdered a vampire. And now that everybody knows that vampires are a thing, they want to give them the same rights as humans. Seems like a weird legal spot. But Buffy is arrested and brought into the police station. Like, just so we're clear, we know who you are. What do you know about these dead bodies? And so the police think, because Buffy's out there killing vampires, that maybe she is also the one who's creating these dead bodies. And Buffy says the same thing we know. She's like, you kill a vampire, they turn to dust. These folk are just dead. I don't know what to tell you. And she asks for her lawyer. She doesn't have a lawyer. No. As the detectives leave and go back in to talk to Buffy one more time before she calls a lawyer, Buffy escapes from prison. From the police station. It's not really clear how. I assume she just broke the handcuffs. Probably. And broke the door. Yeah. She can just break things. Buffy not great with decision making. No. So the first thing she does is she runs to Xander and Dawn's apartment because let's put everybody in danger. Yes, because the cops won't look for you at your sister's place. Good plan. Right. So they're like, hey, you're on TV for... Being a most wanted person. Between being the topic of talk shows, regular tabloid press, and now this, Buffy should get into merchandising. Maybe a fragrance line. Like the Kardashians? Maybe a mobile app. (gasps) She can be the new Kim Kardashian. Mm. And Xander just kind of lays it out. He's like, you know, as much as we would love to 
aid and abet you, we actually can't do that. Right. Like, you can't also make us be in trouble. And Buffy's like, what are you talking about? You already have the couch made up for me. And Xander's like, that's not exactly for you. There's trouble in paradise. It's for me. It's not because this is a weird relationship. No. They haven't even been together that long. It's all too weird. So Spike catches up with her and he's like, you're pretty hard to find. She's like, kind of the point. And Spike's like, keep watching out though, because somebody is actually after you. She's like, oh my god, stop saying that. Yeah. As luck would have it, there's a vampire right below her, so she jumps down and kills the vampire from getting a human. And once you know it, it's the same guy from before. Right. So terrible luck on his part. Um, Maybe he should just stop running into alleys. So another vampire attacks Buffy, tackling her to the ground, and she gets up to discover that there are about 20 vampires behind her. Which is one of the cooler panels we're going to get in this season. It is a cool panel, because all you see are their eyes and their mouths. Yeah, we see Buffy off to the right. It's just, you know, stake in hand. We can see her face and over her shoulder. Roughly 20 vampires. We can see the yellow glowing eyes and their open mouths with all the pointy teeth. Just in silhouette. It looks really cool. It does look really cool. So Buffy gets jumped by one of these vampires and she's trying to fight him off. And our useless little human buddy is insisting he can help Buffy. And all of a sudden, the vampire goes out of vamp face and dies. Like a human. And this mysterious man just goes, I told you I could help. And we see that all these, like, you know, dozen, 20 vampires that are about to jump Buffy have turned into dead bodies. And Buffy, who's been feeling pretty crappy about slaying, she's like, does this mean you could put me out of a job? And then just kind of smiles. Because I'd be okay with that. Things have been rough for Buffy. Poor Buffy. Coming back to her senses, Buffy's a little confused. She's like, there's not supposed to be magic in the world anymore. How do you do this? And... This guy, who we learn his name is Severin, just goes, I don't know. I was kind of hoping you could tell me. And we don't really get a clear explanation of why this all happens, but whatever. He's like a vampire vacuum. That's all you need to know. So she's like, all right, Sev, let's go somewhere the cops won't find me so we can talk. Meanwhile, the cops have talked to her roommates and Don and Xander. And everybody's like, I don't know where Buffy is. And since Buffy is doing a terrible job of trying to find the individual that's trying to kill her, Spike goes and beats up a real estate gnome. Who does a really good job of finding nice places for demons to live. And he tries to get Spike into a great deal on a crypt. Light, airy, rent controlled, with granite countertops. But Spike wants to know where's the man who's hunting Buffy. So we find out that this demon is actually in Alcatraz, just hanging out. Because it's nice and abandoned and quiet and... And it's rent controlled. He's feeling pretty good there. It It reminds him of home. He likes it. His home was a prison. And so he... Apparently he has a boat. I guess so. And so he's been studying up on Buffy so that he can find her. And we see that he's reading newspaper clippings about her. Cut to the next morning and Buffy's being woken up by someone reaching out for her. But it's just Sev who is bringing her coffee. And we find out that Sev is a trust fund baby. And in fact has a gorgeous... Baby, you can trust me. And in fact has a gorgeous apartment... We haven't done a Hamilton reference on this show in a while. That's probably true. It's pretty bad for a while. Oh, man. And he starts to explain what happened. Because every comic book character needs an origin story. Right, so this is his. He wanted to be a vampire. Well, him and his lady. Yeah, so his girlfriend was really into it, but he really wanted to be one too. And so his girlfriend made friends with all these vampires, and one of them, who was her friend, was like, Hey! I'd be happy to turn you guys. I'll sire the girl, and then the girl will sire Sev. 
so life was going to be great. And then they'd be together forever. But then his girlfriend gets sired. And when she wakes up, Claire is no longer a human. But she's also not your normal vampire. I guess as normal as vampires could be. But she's yeah. not that. She's feral. Yeah, she's gone feral. She's She does not look like her human self anymore like vampires normally do. No, she almost looks like a more prehistoric version of a vampire. It's like bigger teeth, more furrowed brow, more than like regular vampires already is. And her hands are more like claws. Yeah, and so she jumps at Sev to attack him. To viciously murder him. And he didn't even know what he was doing. And he put his hands on either side of her head. And the power surged through his hands. And he saw her eyes become human for a split second. And then she died. So he was like, I don't even know what happened, but my hands ripped out the thing that made her a vampire. And Buffy's confused about this. She's like, when did this happen? He's like, I don't know, a couple of months ago. And this happened right after Buffy destroyed the seed. And if we haven't been dealing with guilt, have you picked up on the theme yet? A little bit about guilt. Just a little bit. And so Buffy's like, oh, great. So also adding to my list of things that I screwed up, the vampires are going feral. Buffy texts everyone calling a Scooby meeting. And Xander's surprised about this. Like, is this three years ago? Nope. Still missing an eye. <sighs> Let's break it down. If you're going to mention time, the comics, so am I. Oh, great. Getting through all of the Angel stuff after the fall all happens in May 2004. Let's say for the amount of time to get a movie written, produced, distributed on Blu-ray, two and a half years, so we're dealing with probably 2006, 2007 giving Twilight time to amass his army, probably starting in 2008. So they identify season eight as being one year. Buffy mentions to Twilight, you've been the one after us all year. So let's mm-hmm. say 2008 to 2009. I'm going to say this started in 2009. But even so, that would be five years since they were ba- since they were last on TV. No, six. 2003 they got off. Oh, okay. Thanks, Xander. Screw with the timeline. And we see that Willow is screening Buffy's calls. We see that Spike is on a boat out to Alcatraz. And we see that Andrew's working on a robot and singing to Lady Gaga, which is just charming, actually. Because, baby, he was born this way. Mm-hmm. Except born this way doesn't come out until 2011, so the timeline is all out of whack. Maybe the season could have happened around 2011, pushing season 8 back to 2010, but it feels like that puts too much time in between season 7 and 8. Or maybe it doesn't really matter. Is that really when born this way came out? Yeah. Oh. And if I think this is happening in like 29, 29, yeah. 29, 29 that year. Yeah. <laughs> and Xander and Don go and meet Buffy and Sev at his place, which is massive being trust fund and all. And Buffy uses Don's phone to call Willow since Willow isn't picking up for Buffy. And Willow, we find out, is working, doing computer science stuff. And Willow's like, look, I really can't come. I'm very busy. And... Buffy's like, um, I think you might be right. I think I might have screwed everything up by getting rid of the seed. And Willow's a little excited. She's like, it is all your fault, isn't it? She I'm goes, glad we agree. Okay, I'm listening. It's kind of funny. And they're spitballing what's been going on. And Don's like, do you want to go read that vampire book that Giles left you? Not saying that this is going to be an important thing later on, but you know. And Seth's like, there's a book? And Willow explains that the reason that all these vampires are going feral is because the dimensional barriers have been closed off and the demon, which apparently vampires come from other dimensions. At least their vampiriness. Yeah, to control the people. And it's kind of like a bad connection and they can't get all the way through. 
so there's nothing but just pure impulse and no brain behind it. And Xander just comes through the room, slaps his hand together, goes, Zompires! I've named them. My work is done here. So it's kind of cool. We have this... Extra strong vampire. Extra strong vampire. Extra dumb and extra nasty. Yeah. It's just kind of an interesting thought about the consequences of getting rid of the seed. It's nice to mix it up a little bit, too. I know. You keep saying that that season eight was so big and so crazy and so grand, and then season nine is just dealing with the aftermath of it, so it sometimes doesn't feel like it has its own footing. I think it makes it more realistic and more interesting because we're actually seeing the consequences. Because most of the time, we'd have the big season finale, big things happened, we saved ourselves from apocalypse again. And then we'd have maybe an episode or two getting us back on our feet. And yeah. Right, and then we're back to square one. We have a whole season getting back on our feet. So it's kind of a nice change of pace. I don't... How does Angel learn the name Zompires? By the end of the season, it might be a little old, but because he talked to somebody on the phone. No one is talking to Angel right now. What with the Giles murdering and all? Because maybe Faith talked to somebody and then told him. More realistic. Okay. And now that Xander has named the Zompires, Severin steps in. He's like, I know there's a nest if you want to, you know, go directly deal with your guilt and take him out. And before Buffy can even respond, Xander's like, hey, we actually have a different idea here. And they hand her the detective's card and... Don and Xander are like, look, go to the police. They want to help. They want to help figure out what's going on here. They're not just trying to ruin your life. And Sev is like, but we could just go take out the nest. And so Buffy obviously goes with the Zompire option because it's Buffy. And Spike arrives at Alcatraz trying to find this demon. Who jumps Spike? And he has kind of these laser discs that can come out of his hands. Yeah. Fun, effective weapon. Easy to carry if you could just make them from nothing. How does he not laser his own hand? They come from him. He's fine. And Spike is like, why are you trying to find the Slayer? And this demon is like, the Slayer killed the seed. And Spike just goes, people are really going to have to get over this whole seed thing. Then you, sir, are in for a long season if you don't want that brought up. This demon, his name is Ko. Yeah. And Ko's like, no, you misunderstand me. I was imprisoned for a millennia, and the seed being broken freed me from this prison. He's like, I am now at the Slayer's service forever. I am to be... You know, I, owe, I am bound to her. I owe her a life debt, not something that's ever been used in fiction before. Yeah. Yeah, and Spike jumps at him. He's like, ah, this is a bunch of crap. Like, I've heard someone's trying to kill Buffy. What? It's you, it's you. He's like, it's not me. It is someone known as the Siphon. And Spike, who's still in vamp face... Is like, the siphon sounds like an infomercial for a bloody vacuum cleaner. Which it does. It would be a good name for a vacuum cleaner. And Ko's like, no, it's not that. This has been foretold forever. That the siphon would come and destroy the Slayer. And the siphon sucks energy out. It, look, it's Sev. It's Sev. Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty sp- <laughs> it I, spelled I, out I here. I appreciate that the comic didn't even try to like bury the lead on this one for too long. Once we figured out that Ko was on our side and that the siphon existed... There is, like, zero effort to be like, nope, it's not Sev. It's he, definitely Sev. He just explains his entire power set. Yeah. but, but We I, still don't understand why Sev is the siphon, but he is the siphon. That's very clear. And what's kind of irks me about this a little bit is Ko is like, this has been foretold generation after generation that the siphon would come. You know what? Siphon's a bit of a bitch. It doesn't feel like the kind of thing you need to foretell. Yeah. He's super annoying. On our scale of threats, he is... Adam level. So, oh yeah, going back to season four. So 
We get to the wharf where Sev knows that there's a nest of these vampires. And he definitely wasn't manipulating her with the whole guilt thing. Not one bit. And they're about to open up the door so they can take out the nest. And Sev goes, I might even be stronger than you. And we see that Sev has siphoned all of the power from all of these vampires already. Which, you know, let's guesstimate here. Let's call it 150. Sure. And Buffy looks at him with horror and goes, they're already dead. And he has lightning coming out of his hands and he goes, I know. Yeah. I'm the villain. He's the villain. So we find out that Sev has been trying to find Buffy for months. We cut back to three months ago and we see him in his John Lennon glasses, which I guess is a attempt to try and connect to how he looked in the end of season eight. Yeah. Because those silly things go away. Mm-hmm. And he's not getting the information he needs out of vampires. And we see someone approaches him saying that they really know who's responsible for the death of his girlfriend, Claire, and it's not the vampires. And it's Buffy Summers. And that even though Buffy thinks she's the hero, she's really the villain. Yep. And so Sev is like starting to use his powers on Buffy or siphon. Siphon her powers. Siphon her powers. And he's like, if you hadn't destroyed the seed, I would never have had to do this. My lady would be alive and it's all your fault. We could have been together forever, but now I just get to have cool superpowers instead. Yeah, and he goes, you don't deserve the power you have, so I'm going to take it. And he has enough power because of all the vampires that he siphoned to actually take on Buffy. And as this fight is about to begin, we see forces on different sides all coming together. To the wharf. Detective Dowling receives an anonymous tip from a girl who says that she killed hundreds of vampires. And the police spring into action. They're all going to the wharf. And while they're doing that, Spike and Co. are also going to the wharf, but they're doing it in a dinghy. And Spike (laughs) is is confused why they're not just taking the ferry. And Co.'s like, my kind don't mix with humans. And Spike goes into some lovely metaphor about how his kind doesn't mix with humans either. And how he's definitely not in love with Buffy. And Co.'s like, bad subtext, you're in love with Buffy. He's like, you're definitely in love with Buffy. But this is actually really sweet. Spike is like, I'm not good for her. So I'm going to stay away. I'm going to do everything I can to protect her from afar. But what Buffy needs in her life is normal. And I'm not normal. We don't usually see the side of Spike. Like Spike is usually very Spike focused. Even when it came to being with Buffy, his version of being with Buffy was still him kind of putting himself front and center. Yeah. So the police have beaten Spike and Co. to the wharf. Because they have cars and they had a dinghy. Yep comparatively one is faster the police are trying to figure out how to get in there because they know what a slayer can do and so they don't want to put themselves in unnecessary harm meanwhile sev is beating the hell out of buffy and it looks like he's about to take her powers when she stabs him in the gut with a stake yeah which looks incredibly painful but doesn't seem to do a ton to him he just pulls the stake out it seems he has that comic book thing that everyone has of accelerated healing. I guess so. Always a handy skill to have. I guess so. Buffy figures that she just needs to beat him in a fight long enough for him to drain his powers, and then she can definitely win because he already killed all the vampires. And that sure was foolish of him. But just kidding. Nah, he's got a plan. He made sure he wouldn't run out, and they fall through the floor into another nest of vampires that are alive. Or dead whatever they're zompiery they still have their power that sev can suck out of them and this is all on the news that the police have been called and back in buffy's apartment tumble and anaheed 
see this on the news and Anahid goes into her room and pulls out the vampire book and a bunch of Buffy's weapons and she goes forget the TV you need to get in here the new cast was right <laughs> we missed a letter in there letterer and we didn't fix it for any of the additions clearly yeah I thought I was like I think I fixed that in the collected nah nah typo or yeah. I'm sure this is digital lettering so but yeah it would be a typo um, I think it's funny that... Actually, I know this is digital lettering. I have pages from this. Yeah. I think it's funny that Xander and Don are also watching TV. And Don's like, I'll call Will. And Xander's like, how much bail do you think we're going to need for this? So back at the wharf, Buffy and Sev are fighting. And Sev keeps throwing these vampires at Buffy, but also siphoning their power. And so Buffy's like, this is not going to end well. Yeah, she is outnumbered on all fronts and it turns out a few people are trying to get down to buffy up on the top level of the wharf we see spike and co have snuck in but also detective dowling has found them and spike just says like you need to leave you are out of your depth here little man co just yells the siphon and starts to run off to buffy and spike and co arrive to save the day only to be immediately dispatched yeah like, he's very powerful at this point. So Sev's like, that's fine. I'll just suck all of everybody's power out. I wish we had a good idea of Ko's strength. All we've seen him do so far, I mean, he killed like 20 guys, but we don't know how strong those guys were. He jumps into battle and is immediately just blasted backwards. Yeah. You're not a helpful ally. No, that was not his, mo his best and shining moment. They go down and Spike comes at him again, only for Severin to start sucking the vampire out of Spike. And it's very touching. Buffy says in this little voice, Spike, don't. And then Spike says in this little voice, Buffy. Close enough. And as the two of them are about to die, uh, Severin has a few bullet holes in him. It was Detective Dowling. Thanks, buddy. This is one of the only times in Buffy where a gun actually helps. Yeah, and Buffy's like, good luck healing those. Basically, Buffy and Spike are I mean, next. I don't know why not. He already survived getting one giant puncture wound. Yeah, but Buffy and Spike are going to regain their powers back in a couple days. And and she is just really thankful to Detective Dowling that he came guns a-blazing. And Willow talked to the cops, got everything cleared up. Things will be fine. And we see that Severin is not dead. He's lying in a hospital bed and somebody's talking to him saying, you blew it. And he's asking for their power just a taste. And we cut to see that his ally is Simone. Oh boy. And Simone says, you didn't leave Buffy powerless, so now I'm going to need all of my power to kill her. Yeah, I don't particularly like either one of these characters. Neither one are very interesting, but, you know, at least they'll be back a bunch. Yeah, so that's kind of the end of that arc. We have two other little pieces that we're going to do real quick. Yep, one of them is a free comic book day special. So again, very short. Some may say this isn't canon. I say this is the most canon. I love that they included this in the collected edition. I didn't think it was actually going to make it in there. I thought no way this story is getting reprinted. But it's pretty entertaining. It's called In Space, No One Can Hear You Slay. Which might be a play on a famous movie tagline. But we see to, you know, get some R&R &R after her almost dying at the hands of a whiny guy. Spike has taken Buffy to space, which I guess is relaxing, but it turns out that one of the, I guess we're calling them Beatles now? Yeah. According to this, 
Space bug. Yeah, one of them was bitten by a vampire and turned when they were on Earth, and he's transforming. (gasps) Not Irene. I know. We know that one the best. I know. This is also the first time ever when a vampire can turn something that isn't a human into a vampire. Yeah. That's weird. I like this little one shot, though. So we see that Irene has been turned into a vampire zombie bug. Something else. Situation. And so Buffy's like, I'm on this. Like, this is my job. So she went to go get her steak. And Spike's like, um, minor problem. These guys are distant cousins of termites. And they like to eat wood. And So they just ate all of Buffy's steaks. We just hear this crunching. One of the bugs said, Sire, when you told us we had to huddle in your stateroom, we didn't know how long it would be until our next meal. So now Buffy has to go fight it's like a... like you cheese. That's fair. <laughs> So Buffy goes to hunt this new vampire bug. What could it be? And Spike tells her that she can get the bug spray. And they all hear him say it and freak out. They're like, he has bug spray? The sire plans to kill us. No, they said King Spike wants to commit insecticide. And Buffy is walking around the bowels of the ship, which, you know, obviously scary. And she's doing it with a lighter by one of Spike's many lighters, where she doesn't know where... Irene is, seeing that Irene has molted and shed her skin. It is something far more terrifying. And as Buffy turns a corner, she is approached. And we have a jump scare. And what is it? It's a big alien thing. Not just any alien. It's a xenomorph. That's right, the Beatles... It's the alien. They predate the aliens, baby. Forget Prometheus, Buffy is your prequel, Okay. That's where they come from. Buffy and in the alien universe are combined. Hence why you like this one. I just like this one because it's fun. I like to pretend that they're in the same universe now. I don't know why you're pretending. It seems like they are. It's definitely not canon, but screw it. I say it is. As the alien attacks Buffy, he tries to bite her with his little mouth inside his big mouth. And she remembers that Spike said there was a solarium. So she opens up the doors and the alien turns to dust. Because it's also a vampire. Don't forget that part. It's an alien xenomorph vampire zompire situation. Look, it's silly, but screw it. I'm all about this one. It's dumb fun. It's really small, and I'm really glad they chose to reprint it. I liked it especially because we don't see a lot of Buffy and Spike together, other than Spike being like, somebody's trying to kill you, somebody's trying to kill you, somebody's trying to kill you. I have an undying love for you. So it's kind of nice to just see them like, They went off to go have fun with all of Spike's bug friends. (laughs) And then this ridiculous thing happened. I don't know. I like it. A xenomorph attack. But this is our last piece of this episode, and it's an actual one shot called Slayer Interrupted. We are playing off a lot of other titles and all of these little issues in this particular episode. Is this one girl interrupted? Yes, it is. Maybe. I've never seen that. This last issue is written by Andrew Chambliss with art by Carl Moline. And we see that Buffy, Xander, and Don have been cornered in the mall by an army of zompires. Dun, dun, dun. And they rush them all and Buffy starts slaying and Xander is, you know, doing his best. And they fight their way back to Buffy's apartment and they make it in there. And then all of a sudden, Buffy goes, Xander, Don, and they've turned into zompires now. And they go, grr. And they Arg. jump on top of Buffy. And they're about to turn Buffy into a zompire when they both get staked. 
by the first Slayer. So we know it's a dream because that's the only time she ever shows up. And Buffy even says, it's okay, Buffy. It's just a Slayer dream. Well, the first goes to her and just says, you are not the Slayer. And punches Buffy right in the gut so hard that Buffy wakes up and starts vomiting. Yeah. And Buffy's like, I have never had a Slayer dream that real before. And Buffy goes to see Willow. I like Buffy's shirt. She's wearing a robot shirt. She is, yeah. But she goes to Willow and describes the dream. And Willow's like, hey, this is probably because this is all your fault. Maybe you should go read that vampire book. And Buffy's like, nah, not right now. Later that night, Buffy goes home and tries to read the vampire book. And in her inner monologue, just says, I miss Giles. I really miss Giles. And then... She evidently fell asleep again while, while reading. reading yeah, not very good at this. The vampire, the vampire book. It's not a vampire book. No, it's just a vampire book. And the first Slayer comes back and says, "You are not the Slayer." And Buffy is really sad about this. She's like, "I knew I should have overcaffeinated." And she's like, "Wait, what are you trying to say?" So she chases after the first Slayer, who is pointing at a mound of vampires with the broken scythe on top. And Buffy's like, I don't, I don't get it. It's broken. What are you talking about? And also, when did you get so chatty? Yeah. And Buffy's like, wait, you, are you really the first Slayer? And she tackles her to the ground and she turns into a Tinkerbell type fairy. Cut to the next day. Buffy goes to see Willow again. Good that they're seeing each other on a daily basis. I know. And she's like, well, somebody's been sneaking into my dreams. Hijacking them, if you will. Willow's like, all right, well, if you know that, we can figure this out. But the only way you can do it is you have to get some sleep. And I'll watch over you like this is Nightmare on Elm Street. Buffy goes to sleep with Willow watching over. And she is approached by the little fairy. Immediately. So Buffy's good at falling asleep. Apparently. You might recognize this little fairy from issue 5 of season 8. That's right, it's coming back, baby. The fairy we see is the one who teamed up with one of Buffy's two doppelgangers. The one that was underground and died well, an army of demon almost came through the ground to kill an entire civilization. <laughs> She's a little upset. She laid some eggs in that slayer's ear. And not only did her friend die, who th- she thought was Buffy all along, but Buffy got away with it. And Buffy should feel guilty about this. Because this, this is the guilt arc. Because this fairy's powers have also been weakened, like everybody else. And Buffy's like, yeah, that's great. Sucks to be you. Sucks to be everyone. You weren't really the first slayer. And she goes... Yeah, but she's actually here. I can't really break into your head. I can just hitchhike along. She really does have a message for you. Yeah, she was like, this is, you figure out what she wants, then I'll tell you what I know. Which is just frustrating. And we return to the giant mound where the scythe is embedded in the stone. Buffy climbs to the top and tries to pull it out Excalibur style. And it doesn't work. Because Fairy tells us it's not for Buffy. It's for Willow. And Willow says to Buffy, I need to take this. Because the scythe could be the key to restoring magic to the world. And it's going to be a long trip. And Willow tells her, I have to go. If you love someone, set it free. And it's so sad. And Buffy's like, this feels really real. Is this real? And Willow's like, nah, it's a dream. Don't worry about it. But then the first slayer is satisfied and goes away. The little fairy lady starts talking to Buffy and she goes, Like I said, you aren't the Slayer. The Slayer's a part of you, but you're not a girl anymore. Buffy's like, why doesn't anybody just say what they mean? Which is fair, Buffy. That's annoying. And she says, well, you know, dreams have a way to get lost in translation. 
Maybe this one does, maybe it doesn't. Maybe this one has multiple meanings, and you should probably reread it after a few arcs from now to understand it. Mm-hmm. Or not. Doesn't really matter. It's as, fine. As you, as you do. And she tells Buffy that her and Willow have been friends for so long that they share the same dream space. You might remember a dream space from last year. Yeah. And so Buffy's like, wait, so that was that really goodbye? And she wakes up to find that Willow is gone and has taken the scythe, and she's going to try and bring magic back into the world. And Buffy just goes, I wouldn't have minded a double goodbye. That is so heartbreaking. Oh, yeah, that's a sad line. And as she's mourning the loss of Willow, she runs to the bathroom to start puking again. While her roommates are outside the door, they're like, um, you need to move out. You're a slayer, and we don't think it's safe to live with you. And Buffy, in her festive puking, does at least something partially logical. And takes a pregnancy test to discover that Buffy is pregnant. Dun, dun, dun. So this is the point at which we're going to stop this episode. Because it leads into the next big arc. What a cliffhanger to leave you on. Who's the baby daddy? Yeah, so all sorts of fun things to think about with this one. There's a lot of guilt. We have some crappy villains. Buffy's pregnant. Yeah, it's a baby. Things are happening. So, you know, don't forget to come back. But if you want to find us, the show can be found on editorsnotecomics.com on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. If you want to get it a week early, you can go to patreon.com slash editorsnotecomics. Say hi to us. Send us emails. Eh, If you want editorsnotecomics at gmail.com. Tell us what you like. But instead of telling you who the father is, next week we're going back over to Angel. See what's happening there. Boo, double cliffhanger. British things. Yay, British things. Boo to another cliffhanger. I mean, to be fair, I guess you could just go get the book yourself and go read it. Or you can wait for us. Or go to a Buffypedia. Is that a thing? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, there you go. Everything has one. But we'll be back next week. See you then. Bye.